Hi, everybody. This is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred. I want to let you know that our shows now are on Facebook Live, as well as right here on the All Andy Alfred Podcast Network. So our shows are unedited, uncensored, and so full of content. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Follow us on our Twitter. It is at All Andy Alfred, as well as on Facebook at Facebook at Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The views of All Andy Alfred are those of Andy's and do not represent the Spotify Podcast Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at the goal. 54 runs in the span of the Shut out. Well, the pieces of the puzzle have finally fallen. One third of what's going to happen has begun. For our jackets. We come on the air today with some breaking news. Yarmo is out as general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You'll hear my take. You'll hear the press conference right here on All Andy Elford today. And the performance that we had in Ottawa was just absolutely terrible. We'll get to that tonight. Also preview their weekend series as they get on the road to the California road trip. It just doesn't get it easier for the Jackets. Walleye seem to find a way to get things done, but they fall on the road for this two-week road trip that they are on starting last week. They're on it again this week. You won't be back home until the end of February, which will be next week on the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. We'll dive into that. Also, Super Bowl 58. We'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And what happened yesterday at the parade was a damn shame. While Tiger Woods is back on the course for the Genesis Open. We'll talk about that. He's playing right now. I'm watching it here in the office. And the hard court. The Battle of I-75 now transitions to Wood County. We'll talk about what's going to happen this weekend at the Stroh Center. On the women's side of things. It was supposed to rain today. It was a big, flat snowflakes falling everywhere. And the falling pieces of the Blue Jackets have begun. Because it's time for All Andy Elford tonight. Right here on the All Andy Elford Network. And I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of All Andy Elford. Right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the All Andy Elford Network. You're listening to us on the plethora of platforms whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight, as well as watching us on Facebook Live. We are Facebook Live today right here on the All Andy Elford Network. So go ahead, post your comments, questions right here on the All Andy Elford Network as we are doing the show today on this, the 15th day of February 2024. Coming to you from the Man Cave Studios as uh, it has just went, uh, just was officially done. It uh, was announced this morning. And we're going to lead with it right off the bat. That's why I'm back wearing the blue jacket stuff today. It was announced this morning that 
former general manager of our Columbus Blue Jackets, Jarmo Kekalainen, has been fired from his job. He has been relieved of his duties. He is now out of a job. And now John Davison, the president of hockey operations, as is now taking over as interim general manager for the remainder of the 2023-2024 hockey season. And, you know, to say that this was coming, I told you this was coming. The performance that Yarmo has had for the last 11 years with this organization has been fantastic. I have to give him credit on that. I will give him some flowers on that. Uh, the amount of players that he has drafted, signed, and has made this team relevant in the last few years has been fantastic. I will give him his credit on that part. But the last few years has just been absolutely atrocious. And the Johnny Cadreau signing was absolutely great. It was the bright one of the biggest bright spots of this whole organization, the drafting of Boone Jenner, the players that he picked up. Uh, but a lot of it has begun when the downfall happened after Pierre-Luc Dubois, who had the breakout performance against against Toronto in the playoff bubble, didn't want to finish his career with the blue play with the Blue Jackets anymore, and the trade happened with Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois, and look where that has gotten Pierre-Luc Dubois, an absolute cancer with the Los Angeles Kings. And now... The the benefit that that trade has basically began the spiral that has become the Columbus Blue Jackets this season, as the Jackets have just absolutely looked terrible the last couple seasons. The releasing of John Tortorella, then you had Brad Larson that has come came in, coached the team for two seasons, took that into the took that team into the shitter. Unfortunately, I'll say that out loud. Took it from a a, a great club back into the back into the cellar. And we thought that we had the bright spot this past season in the signing of Mike Babcock and Yarmo taking the full credit for that with John Davison. And then Yarmo then then having to backpedal after all the allegations with Mike Babcock coming out from the Spitting Chicklets podcast and all that the players didn't want to play for him because he was being too creepy. That really became the focal point. He was then let Mike Babcock was let go. Yarmo had to then hire Pascal Vincent, who was the assistant coach at the time, to become the coach. He is not working out with this organization. So, it, you know, the long spell of this season, this team being the worst team in the Metropolitan Division and now the worst team in the Eastern Conference. They're not the worst team in all of the league yet, but they're getting closer and closer to that. It basically was the writing on the wall. And Yarmo had to be let go. And, you know, like I said, I give him flowers. I give him credit for everything that he's done for this organization. But at the same time, it needed to be done. We need a, we need a new face. We need a new young, talented GM. We need somebody that's going to revitalize the room, that's going to help this organization out instead of hurt this organization, which is what he has done the last two seasons. Uh, like I said, the Johnny Gaudreau signing was absolutely, you had to go out and get him. He was an absolute pickup. Uh, the Severson and Provorov deals that have now have, now are sh- taking shape are really going to hurt this organization because Severson and Provorov were going to be the players that were going to bring Mike Babcock in. That's what the, that's what he came in for. Severson signing that long-term deal. That's going to hurt the Jackets in the long term. And now you have veteran players 
and young team that, you know, were turmoiled throughout the season because of the Howell Babcock situation. Veterans were accepting it. Younger players did not accept it. And that's what we got with, with this organiz- with what's happened with this organization. Now, my fear is that, you know, my fear was early on in the season that the season wasn't going to be much of a, a, a blessing. We weren't going to make the playoffs. I, I figured that if Babcock was going to make the team, was going to be coaching the team, we would be in a contention of a spot for a playoff spot. We'd be a year off from the playoff spot. With him gone and now Pascal Vincent running this team, I will say it now, this organization went backwards in like three year, for three years. We now have to now, now with Yarmo fired, there's, the bleeding has officially stopped. I think the bleeding has officially stopped. And now with less than three, two weeks away from the trade deadline, which will be March the 1st, it was the right move to be made at this time. However, we just came off of three weeks, two weeks, two and a half, three weeks off. Couldn't we have done this during that time frame so that we can begin the search for a general manager? That we can begin the search for what is to come for this organization? I think so. But the problem is, you know, it's not up to me. It was up to John Davidson. And Davidson's even said in his press conference that, you know, he's been out. He had back surgery. And I, I listened to SiriusXM in uh, the morning skate this morning with uh, uh, Gord and uh, Jeff Smerick that was doing the pot, doing the show today. And they brought on uh, they brought on Aaron Portsline. And uh, Aaron from The Athletic, I actually love him. He does a fantastic job. He was with The Dispatch. Now he does stuff with The uh, with the Athletic. And, you know, he's headed towards the final sunset of his of his career as, a, as covering the Jackets and everything like that. He's been there since day one. Um, he brought up a good point about John Davidson. Davidson's headed towards the end of his career uh, with all the health problems and health issues that he's had. I think this is his last run as a, as a president of operations. Now giving him this opportunity to be a GM for this, the rest of the rest of the go around, it's a real question to see if this organization is going to be there. If it's if it's compatible, if it's ready for ready for this, we'll see. We'll absolutely see. And you know, and with we're two weeks to go for for the trade deadline on the first of March, which will be Friday, which will be about a week, two weeks away. You know, this organization needs to, you know, needed a new leadership, and we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Now, I, I said it in the opening that, you know, the first piece of the puzzle is going to fell, and that was Yarmo. We knew that Yarmo was probably going to get let go either before but at the end of this season. We weren't expecting it to happen this time, this, this time of the season. So it's going to be an interesting two weeks, you know, and then they're going to be doing that search for a long time uh, until after the season's done. So, but that's piece one. Piece two to me is getting rid of Pascal Vincent. He is not the man for this job. He is definitely not the man for this job. You can definitely tell it in the press conference today. Afterwards, you know, he, he says that he talked to Yarmo every single day and every single opportunity that he had in questions and everything like that, that shows you that you're not a real, you're not a compatible coach. When you're relying on your general manager to give you the stats and information and to, you know, guide this team, that tells you right there that you're not the man for the job. You coach, you coach the team. You don't, the GM does not coach the team. 
So that right there tells me right there that Pascal Vincent is not the man for this job, which means that I think Pascal Vincent has to go. He has to be the second piece of the puzzle to go. And going back to the John Davidson thing, the Davidson thing is the third piece, but I don't think that should be, you know, be removed. And the third piece of the puzzle, the, he would be the third piece of the puzzle, but I don't think you remove him. I think he removes himself once the season's done. I think his, I think his, this is his last go round. I really do. And uh, I'm not giving him any, I'm not knocking him. I'm not going to discredit him because John Davidson has done a fantastic job with this organization. He's done fantastic works in, throughout the National Hockey League. But I think it's time for him to step down, to physically step down. And then basically, and they said it so much on the on the press conference today that, you know, that Yarmo always said it wasn't a rebuild, it was a retool. Let's just be honest. It was a rebuild. We've been doing a rebuild, and now with him gone, let's make sure, officially say it's going to be a rebuild. And you know how how this organization has become. It's become it became such a you know a fun loving organization to now becoming more of a laughing stock of this of the National Hockey League. And to me, it 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 kills me to see you know the building being filled with eighteen thousand plus all the standing room only seats filled, and this is what the product that we got on the ice. And now Boone Jenner during the press conference basically said, you know, that they take respons- they they're one of the people that take responsibility for what happened with Yarmo. And I, I don't I don't agree with everything that he don't agree on some of it, but I do agree with some of it because of the fact that, you know, Yarmo picked these players. Yarmo draft these players. Yarmo signed these players. He's the one that puts the product on the ice. The coach coaches the team. And if it doesn't work, it goes back to the general manager and the coach, not John Davidson. And this time it went to Yarmo Kekalainen. And Yarmo, you know, I, I, I like Yarmo. He is he was a great general manager, but you know, when it's time, it's time. And this is a step in the right direction when it comes to when it comes to this. It was. It's the right decision to be made. So uh right now on our Facebook Live. You're going to hear it. Uh, I'm going to step out really quickly. Uh, but uh, on our on our on our the network page, you're going to hear the press conference. You're going to hear from John Davidson and some of the questions that he faced. Uh, this is according to the from the Columbus Blue Jackets Facebook page as well as the YouTube account. This is the press conference. John Davidson, Pascal Vincent, and the Blue Jackets meeting with the media after the firing of Yarmo Kekalainen. As Jarmo Kakalainen is a friend and a very smart and talented manager. Unfortunately, as a team, our results haven't been good enough. We all, starting with myself, as head of hockey operations, share responsibility for that. While our team is improving and we have some very talented young players and prospects, it became apparent that we needed a new voice to lead us forward as we turn the page. This decision was difficult because of the quality of the person that Yarmo is. He's a dedicated, loyal, hardworking guy who did a lot of great things, both on the ice and in our community over the past decade. We will always be grateful to Yarmo, his wife Tina, and their girls as they have made our organization and our community a much better place. That said, 
Mike Priest and I, along with our ownership group led by John P. McConnell, concluded evaluations and decided now was the right time to make a change. While we begin our search for our next general manager, I will work with our hockey operations management team on all hockey-related decisions, including the upcoming trade deadline and ongoing scouting efforts. We have no set timetable for hiring a new general manager other than it will be when we know we have found the right person for the job. Our intent at this time is to focus on candidates outside the organization. This is a critically important decision. Mike Priest and I will oversee this process with a final decision made by the two of us along with our ownership. We do not plan on conducting this search in a public forum. Our focus will be to find the individual who will help us set up our club for sustained success at the highest level. Our fans, who year in and year out, prove to be the best in the world, have been remarkably supportive and they deserve nothing less. So again, before I take questions, I want to thank personally and on behalf of everyone at the Blue Jackets, thank Yarmo for all he has done. Wish he and his family all the best in the future. Thank you, and I'll take questions. So that was John Davidson meeting with the media and his explanation. Uh, if you took out of that, that they will not take any, uh, it's not going to be a public thing. It's going to be a private in-house thing uh, to find the man, to find a GM. They're going to be going outside. It's not going to be inside. So that means that there will be a new face running this team and picking the players and they've got to get it done soon because you know the draft will be coming soon uh they won't get it done within the next couple of weeks i'll tell you that much before the trade deadline but they got to get it done before the trade debt before the uh nhl draft and before the start of the next season because there's a lot going into the 24 25 campaign with this with this jackets team going forward and it's huge. It's absolutely huge to see you know them them make this move, and uh, yeah, uh, let's get into some of the questions that there was asked during the press conference. Forty, Johnny, you're three weeks in the trade deadline. You're yep. a couple weeks after a long break in the middle of the season. Why does why did now make sense to make this move other than the, after the season or during that long break? Yeah, we, we've. Uh... Well, one reason is because I had back surgery. I was out of commission for some uh, some time, and uh, I know I've certainly done my best to stay in touch with everything, but uh, I haven't been around um, physically. We uh, talked with Mike. We talked with uh, our ownership, and this is the the uh, conclusion we came to. We uh, We know what's going on regarding the trade deadline three weeks away. Everything's been documented. Yarmo, in talking to Yarmo yesterday, and it was difficult, Yarmo's, um, he's a very professional person. And we talked even about things that he's discussed with other teams. It's all right there. Anything we need, all we do is pick up the phone and call him. He's great. You didn't think this would wait for No, we, we decided now is the time as we turn the page. So with everything that we have ahead of us, we wanted to start the process now. When you say you came to the conclusion, what was the conclusion? Was there one thing or was it just a cumulative effect? Uh, Craig, it was just, it just, sometimes when timing is right, we just felt now is the time. We have a lot ahead of us. We've had a up and down 
at times turbulent season. Um, I, I just think that going forward, now is the time to turn that page and go forward with all the decisions that we have to make that are ahead of us. We've also done some very good things this season. I've seen a lot of young players pop. Um, we're a tough out. There's been too many outs. We've improved in areas. But uh, just just now is the time. This is the feeling and the decision that we made as a group. What was kind of the message to, whether it be players, coaches, about kind of the next you know, turning of the page? What, what, what was kind of like that message? Uh, yesterday, I met with Yarmo, so he had a chance to... Um, Mike and I met with Yarmo, so Yarmo had a chance to talk to his family. He has two girls. Uh, he has parents. Um, he wanted to call some people in hockey operations, which he was able to do. I then did the same thing. Um, today, we met with our coaches early, and then we met with our complete hockey staff, which includes trainers, strength and conditioning, and all our players. Gave them the message. And uh, the message primarily was that the changes made this is a process that we're trying to go through to become a much better hockey club, to become a consistent hockey club, so nobody let their guard down. We're improving in certain areas. We've got a lot of areas to improve in. Let's go. It's as simple as that. And as the, you turn the pages, do you expect any other personnel changes to be made? Not at this time. So, again, he says that there will be no other personal stop. So we're doing stop and stop and start. Well, the press conference, we'll keep, we'll keep playing this, but he says no other additional uh, personnel changes will happen. Now, the question is, like I said, it's going to probably be after the end of this season that we're going to see the end of Pascal Vincent as the head coach. Uh, and we, we question, like I said, I question John Davidson if his health will continue to run this team. Um, we're going to hear a question here in a little bit about ownership. And I actually liked what, you know, Mike said. Um, he was kind of nervous. If you watch some of the press conference, you go back onto the YouTube page and you can find it. They'll probably post it up on the YouTube page. But uh, he was nervous at the question. And he was shaking. He was shaking like a leaf. So when that question comes up, I want you to hear the tone in his, his voice when it comes up. But you heard those questions. Let's continue. Let's start. We'll start it back up again. Start it back up again. I'm sorry. Tim Beal at Cleveland.com. John, um, you know, you, you said at the outset you're pretty much looking primarily at outside candidates. In this, in the process to move on from Yarmo, when it kind of become clear that maybe a fresh perspective from the outside was needed as far as, you know, establishing a vision and a direction, especially when it comes to development, because I know Yarmo said in the past is more about retooling than try to rebuild. I, I don't know about that. You know what? When we talk about candidates, we know what we have on the inside. So it's our job to exhaust every avenue you can. So I can tell you honestly right now, we don't have anybody in mind. But we're going to exhaust every possible avenue that we can as we go forward. And regarding retooling, rebuilding, the word, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is we get better and we know the future primarily with our club. Um, are, the, are the veterans that we have here that are, that are good players and, and they're young players that we feel are popping. And uh, you've seen Chinikov pop this year. You've seen other young players not do as well, but they're coming. It's hard. And there's no set timetable for young players to pop. There's just not. So we know we're going in the right direction. 
the way I feel is that if I look at our team now, our five-on-five plays decent. Our special teams are struggling. We have strengths that are good. Keep building on it. We have weaknesses that we have to keep working at to get better as a team. And that's been reiterated uh, to our coaching staff. And we have to keep going forward. John, there's, there's been issues here through the years with player retention lately. Uh, you've got a, a collection of young talent in the room. You've got some big contract negotiations coming up with them in the next few years. How important is that to, to sort of foster a different spirit maybe between them? Now, he asked that question because of what's happening. And I stopped it right there. He's asked that question because of the big deals you know you Warinsky signing the long-term deal but you got Corrali that's going to be on a contract soon Jenner that's going to be on a contract soon a lot of these older veterans that they have you know and the young guys who are entry-level signings are going to be needing a big paycheck and so this is a good question for a GM and you know with Yarmo gone JD takes over the realm can he handle this position and uh, this is the this is the answer that John Davidson gave us. Front office and the, and the room and, and keeping you know, this group together. When I when I think about that, I look at a player like Boone Jenner, whom you interviewed the other day, and he loves it here. And I I have not had player come up to me and say I don't like Columbus. I don't want to play for the Blue Jackets. I honestly think that they do. And I think no, Jeff Carter's not the example of that one. Jeff Carter didn't want to play in Columbus anymore. Jonathan Quick didn't want to play in Columbus. That was his example. Yarmo, uh, Elvis wants out of Columbus because he's not getting a nice time. That's because of Pascal Vincent. It's not because he doesn't like the city. It's because of Pascal Vincent. Start back up. They love playing here, including some of the veteran players. Now, obviously, players do come and go. That's part of the nature. Sometimes negotiations get hard. But that's, that's how it is. I, I, I'd venture to say that there's been some tough things that have happened. We're going to work at all that stuff to make us better in every area. But I also think that this is a place that's been built up um, not only as a, as a team, winning would certainly help, but also the, the city itself to live here. It's, it's a pretty special place. So I, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I'm talking about the city. I'm talking, yeah, about, no, I understand I'm talking about the management here. Yeah. No, I understand that. I, I think that our players that are here right now, I haven't had anybody walk in or that I know of that say, I want to get the hell out of here. It's just not happening. So it's my... Well, he hasn't talked to Elvis Merzlinkitz because Merzlinkitz wants out. He said it. He wants a trade. He wants out of Columbus. So he hasn't talked to John Davidson. Davidson must have been uh, out of it, out of the Jackets. He wanted out. So the so the question is, you know, is Davidson the right job for this opportunity? So let's keep going. Job now to watch. Well, it's my job. Period to watch that, and uh, and do our best to make sure that this is a place that they want to stay for all the right reasons. Um, just two, John. Yeah. One is 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 there anything culturally that that you think needs to change uh, within hockey operations on down to the bench? Um, from upstairs down, you mean, yeah. Mike? Um, it's something that, for me right now, with with the change, um, I've already got a lot of meetings set up, some on the road, because we're going away today for a week. Some when I get back, we're going to go through everything from A to Z. And for me right now to say, yeah, I'm going to change this and that and this and that, I don't think it's fair for me to 
to say that right now, but it's certainly up to me to try to evaluate that. And if there's changes needed, I'll make them. If there's uh, uh, a way to describe uh, what what Yarmo's legacy here was, could, could you at least start yeah. to describe it? Well, this this team over some of the years was close, and I mean really close. When uh, we lost to Boston, Boston lost in the seventh game of the finals. We had Washington down by a couple of games. They came back and they won the cup. I saw us play Pittsburgh, fight them tooth and nail, great series, and they won the cup. For me, we were close. Now, Stop. Close goes together with shoes and hand grenades. Close is not enough. The 2019 season, in, in the words of Aaron Portsline in that in a uh, interview he did with SiriusXM, he says that the 2019 Blue Jackets season, the year that they beat Tampa Bay, swept them, and then they lost to Boston in the conference semifinals, was basically the heydays of the organization. And you're saying that we're close. We were close. We were close. One game here, two games here. No, we weren't close. We were close in the Boston series. I will say that. We had them on the ropes. The Washington series, we were up two games to nothing in Washington and let them, let them back into the series. The, the Pittsburgh series, we, we would take the series. We were up two games to one. We in our first road game. Our first win in a playoff series, win, we're 2-1, we win a nationwide, we send it back to Pittsburgh, tied at 2, and what happens? We couldn't show up on the ice in Game 5 and Game 6. And you're saying we're close in those games? Give me a break. John Davidson... Didn't know that we were that close. It looked like we were close in the Boston series. And when we beat Tampa. When we beat Toronto. In the bubble. We were close. We lose to, to, to Tampa Bay. That was close. That was close. Sorry, back up. We're in a different situation where we're waiting for some players to pop. It's going to be up to, up to the new general manager to come in and try to assess what we need, where we need, and how he's going to do it. Also, I think with Yarmo is, um, as I talked to the players today and the coaches, he's, he's an honest man. He's a hardworking, passionate person. He was here in his 11th year, and uh, that, that in itself is, is pretty good. Things go south. It's up to us to realize that and make a change, which we did. But uh, he'll always be a Blue Jacket, he and his family. Did he, he sort of committed to a rebuild or a retool a few years ago. And then Gaudreau happens. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody expected you to say no to that. The Dubois trade happens, mm -hmm. and, and that changes things, a young player leaving for two others. Did it just kind of, uh, this year and, and last year, going into this year, did it just sort of reach a point where the direction of where this was going and how to get there was no longer clear? Um, I, I think when you have young players that you're playing and you hope they pop, and some are because we've seen this season, that's for me has been the rightest spot as our young players have come along. 
Our crowds have been fantastic. I talk to a lot of people around the league say, you know, I like watching your team play. You guys are fun to watch. Well, we may be fun to watch, but we're not winning enough. But, exactly. uh, you know, the third periods destroyed us earlier in the season. We're getting better at that. Um, third periods are getting better. They destroyed us early in the season. They can't. I got a Valentine the other day that says, Are you a Blue Jacket fan because you always blow in the third period? I think with some of the, uh, the players, whether it be the Dubois thing or whatever it was, things do happen and you have to deal with them. Um, myself, I think that you also have to have players around. That you, you can't come in here with two or three lines of pure young players thrown to the wolves and hope they play well. Meanwhile, they're going to go backwards because you're playing in the toughest, nastiest, best league in the whole wide world. So you have to have players that are going to come in and help. Johnny Goodrow, I think, by his own admission, has been good and not so good. But he's still, and we're hoping that his good nights are really good. The game the other night here at home in the loss to Tampa Bay when I saw Zach Wierenski play and Johnny play, that was worth the price of admission, even though we didn't win the game. But that was a hell of a hockey game. So we need players to support young players, too. And, uh, and also give our fans a chance to watch some talent on the ice as we progress with our young players. And we've got more coming. You take a player like Matejchuk. He's had a phenomenal season. And then at the highest level where he is, which is the world junior, he was phenomenal. So... That's something that's going to be coming. We're, uh, David Juracek's going to be coming, even though he is spending some time in the minors. We just want him to improve. We want him to play games. So we're going to go through this process. As I said the other day, um, I watched an interview with Jeff Rimmer and Rick Tockett from Vancouver. And Rick Tockett's done a hell of a job as a coach there. And he was talking about what they've done. And he talked about the process, the word process. He says, you know, a lot of people out there say they get tired of the word process, tired of process, process. I don't think it's used enough, is what he said. And I tend to agree with him. Sometimes the process of what you're trying to do on the ice can be done in a year for a certain player or three years for another player. But it's still a process, and it's not all tied together. It's a difficult thing to go through. It's hard. It's hard to win in this league, especially with young players. But we feel strong about a lot of our youth, the direction they're going, the ability for our team to stick together right now through tough times is quite remarkable. That's a very tight group in that room. And I, I admire that, and I told them that today. As we go forward, we need you guys to remember the process. This process is going to be for the rest of the season and beyond. So stick with it, stick together, and we're going to see where we go. Trust the process. Trust the process. That's basically what he's saying. Trust the process and what we have. And going back a little bit, he mentions David Juracek. To the guy, you know, this organization, David Juracek deserves to play in the National Hockey League. And how great he has performed so far in Cleveland this year has just absolutely, you know, he's he needs AHL experience, but it's time for him to get some NHL love and getting, getting him a chance to play. Because the fact is, you tell this kid to buy a place in Columbus, you tell him to come in, you know, and practice, does well in, in training camp, 
does well in portions of the season, and then all of a sudden you send him down to Cleveland. And that was a Yarmo decision. Because, like you said, Pascal Vincent was, is, was talking to Yarmo every single day about what was happening on the ice. So it was on Pask it was on Yarmo with regarding the David Yurchek situation. But trust the process, John Davidson says. Trust the process. Continue. Katie, what does this change mean for you? Are you more hands on now? Are you down in the room? Well, I have more to be now for sure. Now? Yeah, I, I, I'm in charge right now of uh, everyday hockey operations. I'll work with Josh Flynn and Basil McRae, the two assistant general managers. I'll be working in conjunction with Mike because there's more than just our games. There's the process we're going through. There's that word again. The process we're going through with uh, finding the new general manager. So it's going to be a good hard ride. A good hard ride. And just to follow up, you and Yarmo, you couldn't mention one without the other. Yeah. Just what, is, what does this uh, day hard. mean to you personally? It's got to be tough. When you think of Yarmo, uh, I met him in St. Louis when he was running the draft there. Then he went back and ran a team and won a championship in Finland. He's, uh, he's an honest guy. He's got a great family. You know, when you talk about traits with people, if you're an honest guy and you have a wonderful family, it tells you something about the individual and uh, you know I know that for a lot of us and, and it rightly so it's about results it's a business but there's also human beings involved so I knew when we brought Yarmo in that someday this might happen it happened it's not a lot of fun but that's that's hockey it's pro sports on we go JD a lot of times you're in these administrative moves we hear from you it's good to see uh, Mike here today. Here ownership always. Here's the question about ownership. I wanted to bring this up again because we have not heard from John P. McConnell about any of the situations. And remember, John P. McConnell is ownership of this team. He is the majority ownership of this franchise. They bring this question up here and... You'll hear it in Mike's voice that he is, you know, very, very loose, a little very shaky in what he's trying to say. So here's that comment. Here it is. Talks through the printed word through statement. And I hear fans say we have an absentee ownership. Have you ever urged them to go face to face and just maybe reassure fans um, why do they always stay in the background? That might be better for Mike yeah, to answer. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. It, there's a couple things. The first I would offer up to you, I don't think you've ever seen the ownership on the day that we've terminated people. That's just not what you do. I don't, I get the narrative a little bit, but I, I, I'm in the know, so I know how much they're involved. But it's not their style, and it never has been their style, nor do I think. I think it. when you ask other people around our league, that's why they call to want to come to this organization, is because they empower the people they have to do the right thing and to run the company. That's their expertise. They give them great autonomy to do that. They're totally informed, and they totally have a say. Trust me. I hear it. So it, they are very engaged. But they're not going to come up here and pretend that 
they have the expertise that JD has or Yarmo had. That's that's not fact. But but the fact is this. I'm going to stop it there. The fact is this. They own the team. They own. They own the majority share. They have the say. They sign the checks. The league signs it. They pay for the players to come in and play at 200 West Station Y Boulevard to wear this crest. To wear this crest. Why aren't they showing up to events like this when it is management positions that need to be done? Management positions like this. They are the top. They are the top. Then it's the president, which is John Davidson, who is now the interim general manager. And then you got Pascal Vincent. They are the top. They need to be at these things. They need to be. Especially going forward, because us as fans, when you're seeing just, you know, Davidson, and at the time Yarmo and Pascal, and all of them, just running the ship and everything like that. And we're asking the questions because of their bonehead decisions that they're making. That's going to turn into less people going to games. That's going to be less people buying the merchandise. Less people buying the concession stands. Less people watching the games on television. Less people listening to podcasts like myself. Because of it. The management needs to be step up. Ownership needs to step up. You see it in the NFL. You see it in the NHL. You see it in the NBA. It needs to be done here in Columbus. You see it with other franchises. I mean, the Illiches are always a part of the Red Wing organization. The ownership of the of the Maple Leafs is always there. Rangers, Bruins, Sabres, they're always there. Ownership's there. Why aren't they there? When situations like this happens, keep playing. When the decision gets made, then it's made. And one of the things they will always say, and it goes to a couple of the questions before about timing, is that you have our support as long as you have our support. But when that goes away, when you know you're going to make a change, it isn't respect to the people to let them know. Not allow them to become lame duck. Not allow them to come to you and you have to say no. So when you talk about now and their involvement, they're very much people who say, you'll have my support. I, I've gotten calls and things over time where they talk about, you know, give support, give support. Can you still support them? If they're still being paid by us, they still have our support. But we also are people of character. When that goes away, for whatever reason, still love the person. But when it goes away, then it's time to tell them and to be fair to them. And that's one reason why you get to today. You could pick a number of different reasons. You know, you don't you don't want to put him in a bad position for trade deadline where he can't do his job. You know, those are issues that you can come to. You can debate whether it's a good time of year or not. But when decisions are made and respect to the people, 
then we're going to make that decision and we're going to be honest about it. And so, do you still feel that support as well? Oh yeah, very much so. I, I would say that ownership here, ownership here has, um, it's a tremendous ownership. They give us all the tools we need. It's uh, that that is something that's very special with this organization. Ownership is still giving us tools to run this ship. When is the shipment going to not be delivered? That's the question. That's what I'm thinking. The shipment is not being delivered. And the deliverance is a Stanley Cup to the capital city. And Yarmo wasn't going to be the guy to do it. Pascal Vincent is definitely not the coach to do it. So the question is, where do we go from here? We have to trust the process when it comes to this. And the question is, is anybody going to get dealed? The trade deadline. Who's going to be moved? Who's going to be placed on waivers? Who's going to be traded? Are we going to be building this franchise? Because we're, it looks like it's going to be a top five team. Top five draft pick team for us. So the question is, you know, where do we go? What do we do? We got a little bit left. Hold on. Um, John, what qualities are you looking for? What What is the most important thing in hiring a new general manager? Do you think outside the box? And give us an idea of what you think it'll be like. How much interest will there be in this job? Will you get a bunch of calls? Yeah, I think we'll get a lot of calls. I really do. In fact, I've already had a couple. Um it's a good situation here with ownership, the city itself, with the amount of talent that we have already assembled. It's not like starting from the bottom. So, yes, I think there'll be a lot of interest. I'm looking for a person that's going to, um, and we will look outside of the box. We'll look everywhere. And that's that's what we have to do. That's why we're in no rush to do this. But we're going to look for energy. We're going to look for smarts. We're going to look for a player evaluator, a player, that, or pardon me, a person that understands analytics, everything from A to Z. That's what it's going to be. And I, I'm sure when Mike and I discuss this with people, somebody's just going to pop right out for us. And, uh, and nothing's out of bounds. Zero. We're going, to, we're going to look everywhere we possibly can. Hey, J.D. Um, you've talked about process. Mm -hmm. But what is the standard you want it to be here? Obviously, you know the fan base. They, they come. They love this team. But there is frustration. Mm -hmm. So what do you want this standard to be, and how do you get there with a new GM? Well, the, the reality is there is frustration. We have to all face those facts from, from our side, from my point of view. And um, I, I think that if we do this right, which we plan on doing, and not rushing into it, we're going to find somebody that's going to help us become a, a team that's going to be good on the ice and not just for a short period of time. We need something that's going to sustain to make us a good hockey club for a number of years and have that window open properly where you can add to it and give it a run. That's how it works. So I, I, I'm confident in the fact that we'll find somebody very strong. I'm confident in the fact that there's going to be a lot of people very interested in this job. I, I, I know because I talk to a lot of people around the league all the time. That's what I do. And, and the, the positives outweigh the negatives as to where we are as a team on the ice. And uh, we're going to need someone that's going to be, uh, that's going to open our eyes. It's going to make us think further, and uh, and to help us 
keep on going in the right direction to to where we're a club that's going to be a, a threat. And I, I so there's that. That's the press conference. I was going to share the news, the exciting news about what's coming for next season for the Jackets. We had some bright spots about the Jackets. We had good news yesterday and even better news today with Yarmo being let go. But we're going to talk about that here in just a second. As you're watching and listening to all Andy Elford today, right here on this, the 15th day of February, 2023. Again, the news, Yarmo Kekalainen has been fired as general manager of our Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's dive into a little bit more about what's going to happen with the Jackets team, what's happening on the ice now with the Jackets, as well as look around the rest of the National Hockey League. Bright spot, the bright spot of the of this Jacket thing, and we're going to keep playing some of the press conference here, right here on All Andy Elford. Uh, it was announced yesterday by John Butchagross, who is a reliable source, and I told you about this last week, that it is official. It will be made official this upcoming weekend. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets will host an outdoor hockey game. It will happen March the 1st, 2025 at Ohio State Stadium. Now the question is who the Jackets will play. Jackets are scheduled to play the Detroit Red Wings. Ohio versus Michigan at the shoot. Now, the sad thing is out of this is that they announced that there will be no Ohio State-Michigan hockey game that will take place at the shoe. It will only be the Jackets and the Red Wing game, which I think it's a load of crap. I think you put the Jacket game on first and then let the facility have the ice surface then to have Ohio State-Michigan play and have the women's hockey team play there as well. The Ohio State women's hockey team that play in the WCHA. Have those two play, have open skates for for fans and for, you know, everything like that. If To keep that ice service going after the NHL is done. So, but the news out of that is that they didn't play, that they weren't going to do that. They're not going to do that. It's just going to be the straight NHL stadium series game. It's going to be a stadium series game, not a winter classic. The winter classic was announced being St. Louis and Chicago next year on New Year's Day. This will be a stadium series game, and they are going to try to break the attendance record for a, <laughs> for an NHL game <coughs> at one hundred and eight thousand. They're going to go for one ten. I think they can do it. They think I think they can do it. But they talked about it in the press conference briefly. And the thing is, Mike didn't come up to the microphone. Who's the head of the hockey operations when it comes to that? Didn't come up to the um, microphone with it, but you can hear him talk in the background. And uh, yeah, let me play it. This is from uh, this is again from YouTube, from the Blue Jackets Facebook page for the press conference earlier today of Yarmo Kekalining being fired as general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. But this is the question about the winner, uh, the Stadium Series game with the Red Wings. I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you this next one as president and now interim general manager. Conversation around the league about the Blue Jackets playing in a stadium game against the Red Wings. What can you update us on that? I really can't. 
I've had enough going on with this stuff. I, uh, that's my office is here in the hallway and down the hallway is the whole business side at, uh, and Mike's in another office and they're the ones taking care of all this stuff. I got enough on my plate right now. I hope it happens. I know there's been talk. I'd be excited as I'd be so excited to see this happen for this, but it's, it's like the field of dreams. You do it and they'll come. Could you imagine that place with 80,000 people in there? I mean, I just, that don't, that's overwhelming. John, you've talked about the young players, and obviously you've got plenty of young prospects that are working their way through. As you look for the next GM and people to kind of work for the hockey, hockey the process, as you say, how important is it for to find a guy who, you know, has a clear plan and understanding, you know, what the next steps are, making sure you turn those young players and you develop them into, you know, the types of players mm-hmm. that can carry a franchise, can take you guys to where you need to go. It's, it's critical. It's critical. But I also think that the... the, the the biggest plus for me for our team this season has been the, the um, and, and they have ups and downs, young players. They just do. It's just natural. Some aren't strong enough physically yet, yet they're playing. Um, some aren't used to the grind. They've never been in a, a grind where you're going to play an 82-game season. But I've seen good things. I've seen a lot of good players come in here, or young players come in here that are doing a lot of good things. That gets me excited. And that's that's where we are right now and when the new person comes in he's he's going to be given the ability to make decisions that's going to be his job and uh, Mike and I will support this person as much as we possibly can and uh, we'll work with him so that was the full press conference because then they go in and they'll separate everything out and uh, so that was the full press conference and you heard that like I said, the possibility of this. This was, a, like I said, going back to the uh, stadium series thing. Uh, it was, for me, when I got that news about the stadium series game on March the 1st, I was ecstatic. This organization deserves it. Uh, we are the only franchise in all now of the National Hockey League that has had an outdoor game or has played in an outdoor game. Uh, we will get the host one, and I'm excited as ever. Wife's not excited because that's our day of our anniversary from when we first started dating. Uh, so uh, our 11-year anniversary will be commencing from the capital city in the cold, March the 1st. And you know it's going to be a, 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 a great time. Columbus always puts on a great time. No matter what the situation is. But again, Yarmo leading let go today. Uh, John Davidson assigning, assuming the duties. And this is coming off of a game when the Jackets lost Tuesday night to Ottawa 6-3. Now, this is we're going to recap the Jackets for you right now. Because, of course, like I mentioned before, the Jackets were have been off now for almost three weeks going into their game last Saturday against Tampa. And they lose to Tampa 4-2 to at Nationwide Arena on Saturday, the 10th of February. Jumped out for Tampa Bay to jump out to the early lead as it was Paul getting his 14th of the season from Hagel and Radish. It was one nothing, And then in the second, Anthony Sorelli getting his 11th of the season from Hagel and Paul even strength making it 2 nothing. Then Stamkos getting his third of the night, third of the game, his second uh, first goal of the night, his 
making it a third goal of the night for the for the Lightning on the power play, 23 seconds into the period for Stamkos' 22nd goal of the season from Hedman and Kucherov on the power play, makes it 3-0. The Jackets and ballot back with two goals from Boone Jenner, his 14th and 15th of the season, but it was just not enough. The Jackets couldn't handle it, and Hagel puts the empty ender in. His 19th of the season from Kucherov and Sorelli. It's 4-2, and that was the final at Nationwide as the Jackets fall to the Lightning 4-2. Tampa out shooting the Jackets in the game 37-35. They led in the faceoff dot 55% to 45%. Tampa 2-for-3 on the power play. Columbus 1-for-3 on the power play. Both teams had 15 minutes in penalties. In the game, it was for the Jackets... In net for the Lightning, it was Andre Vasilevsky stopping 33, a 35 save percentage of a point, 9-4-3. For the Jackets, it was Merz Lincoln's stopping 33, a 36, a save percentage of a point, 9-1-7 in the game on Saturday. Then we get to Tuesday. First game of this long road trip it is a long road trip for the Jackets. There will be a week away, week out, and it started off in the cap- nation's capital of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, with the Senators. And it was it was a good start for the Jackets. I was very, very surprised. Dmitry Volkov getting his 13th of the season from Kent Johnson and Merchenko, seven minutes and 11 seconds into the game. And it was good to see the Jackets jump out to the early one nothing lead. And it was great, absolutely great to see. But then it was the Brady Kachuk show. Kachuk on the power play from Norris and Goudreau. It's 1-1 game, and then even strength, Kachuk takes the shot, and Tarasov was in net, takes the shot. Tarasov can't find the rebound. It fronts in front of him. Kachuk gets his own rebound, takes the second shot, and scores. 2-1 Ottawa. Not even not even 30 seconds, not even a minute in after the, after the first goal for Ottawa. And then Claude Giroux on shorthanded. Shorthanded! Buries it past Tarasov on a 2-1-1 from Kelly. It's 3-1 Ottawa after 20 minutes of play. And then Riley Craig gets his ninth of the season from Tarasenko and Pito. And it's 4-1 Ottawa. And I'm saying, this is not good. This is not good. Definitely not good. But then the Jackets started to play. Jenner gets his 16th of the season from Goudreau and Warinsky. It's 4-2. And then... Jack Roslovic from the left faceoff dot capitalizes from Gabranson and Bean. It's 4-3. But then Kachuk gets the hat trick. His 25th of the season from Kudrow and Calvert on the power play. It's 5-3. And then Bransom gets his third of the season even strength with the empty netter. 6-3 was the final. Columbus outshot Ottawa in the game 40-30. to Led in the faceoff dot 56% to 44%. Columbus 0-4 on the power play. Ottawa 40% on the power play. They were 2-5. The Jackets out hit the Senators 32-24. In the game, Tarasov for the Jackets stopped 24-29. Save percentage of a point 8-8. For the Ottawa Senators, it was the former Jacket himself, Anton Forsberg, 
stopping 37 of 40, a save percentage of a point nine two five. So the Jackets fall to the Senators, six to three. Now they go on the California road trip, which will start. They'll take off today. They'll head to San Jose on Saturday for a 10:30 puck drop in San Jose. Then they'll have two days off. They'll go to L.A. to play the Kings, 10.30 drop on Tuesday night. Then they'll play Anaheim the next night at 10 o'clock before returning back to the Nationwide Arena crowd on the 23rd of February to take on the Buffalo Sabres. And then they will play the New York Rangers Sunday night, 6 o'clock drop at the Schwide. And then it's basically a home-and-home because two days later on Wednesday, they will play the Rangers again, 7 o'clock drop for that one. And then they'll play Carolina on Leap Day, the 29th, to end the month of February. Uh, it's not good. The Jackets are not good. They are 16, 26, and 10 going into this California road trip. They all, That's accumulating to 42 points this season. So you look at what... Last night in the round of the National Hockey League, there's only three games on the schedule. Got a chance to watch the Spitting Chicklets alternative cast on uh, on True TV. It was a great broadcast. I enjoyed it. Paul Bissonnette rocking the Wheeling Nailer jersey representing the East Coast Hockey League. It was fantastic to see. Uh, but it was Florida thumping the Pittsburgh Penguins by the score of 5-2. to two. It was uh, it was the Winnipeg Jets a winner one to nothing over the San Jose Sharks. Minnesota getting a three one win over the Arizona Coyotes tonight. Twelve games on the slate, featuring the Seattle Kraken traveling to Boston to da- take on the Bruins. Florida goes to Buffalo to battle the Sabers. L.A. is in New Jersey to battle the Devils. Montreal is in New York to battle the Rangers. Ducks are in Ottawa to battle the Senators. Colorado is in Tampa to battle the Lightning. Toronto is hosting the Flyers tonight. Uh, Edmonton is in St. Louis to battle the Blues. Dallas travels to Nashville to take on the Predators. It's a big one right here. Uh, Pittsburgh will go to Chicago tonight. 8.30 puck drop. There is an estimate that Connor Bedard will return to the lineup tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So keep an eye on that. We will keep an eye on that as well for tonight's game. 8.30 puck drop for that one. Calgary is in home to battle the San Jose Sharks. Detroit is continuing the Western Canadian road trip. They will now take on the Vancouver Canucks. 10 o'clock drop for that one. That's a big game for the Red Wings against the Canucks coming off of their win on Saturday against the Canucks. So going into tonight's games, this is what the standings look like. In the Metropolitan Division, the Rangers are the top spot at 34-16-3 with 71 points. Carolina, 30-17-5 with 65 points. Philadelphia, 29-19-6 with 64 points. The Devils, 27-21-4 with 58 points. The Rain- the Islanders are 22-18-13 with 57 points. Washington, 23-21-8 with 54 points. And the Penguins are 23-20-7 with 53 points as well. And our Jackets... 16, 26, and 10 with 42 points. We are the worst team in the Metropolitan Division. We are also the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and I'll get to that here in just a second. In the Atlantic Division, Boston's the top spot at 32, 11, and 10 with 74 points. 
Florida 34, 15, and 4 with 72 points. Tampa 29, 20, and 5 with 63 points. The two wild card teams are these are the two teams in the Atlantic Division. Toronto at 27, 16, and 8 with 62 points. And the Detroit Red Wings, who are 27, 19, and 6 with 60 points overall. Montreal, 22, 23, and 8 with 52 points. Buffalo, 23, 25, and 4 with 50 points. And the Ottawa Senators are 22, 25, and 2 with 46 points. And like I said, the Jackets are the worst team in the Eastern Conference at 16, 26, and 10. In the Western Conference, in the Central Division, it is led by the Dallas Stars, who are 33, 14, and 6 with 72 points. Colorado, 33, 17, and 4 with 70 points. And the Winnipeg Jets are 32, 14, and 5 with 69 points. St. Louis is in fourth spot at 28, 22, and 2 with 58 points. Nashville, 27, 24, and 2 with 56 points. Minnesota, 25, 23, and 5 with 55 points. Arizona, 23, 25, and 4 with 50 points. And the Chicago Blackhawks. Are 14, 36, and 3 with 31 points. The Pacific Division, who the Jackets will head out and play. Vancouver's the top spot at 36, 12, and 6 with 78, 78 points. Vegas is in second at 31, 16, and 6 with 68 points. Edmonton, 31, 17, and 1 with 63 points. The Jackets will play the LA Kings on Tuesday, who are 24, 16, and 10 with 58 points. Calgary, 25, 23, and 5 with 55 points. Seattle 21, 22, 21, and 10 with 54 points overall. Anaheim, who the Jackets will play on Wednesday, are 18, 32, and 2 with 38 points. And San Jose, who is the worst team in the Pacific Division, are 14, 33, and 5 with 33 points. They are the second to worst team behind Chicago at 14, 30, who are 14, 36, and 3 with 31 points. San Jose 14, 33, and 5 with 33 points. Columbus, like I said, 16, 26, and 10 with 42 points. So there is all that around the National Hockey League. Uh, news and notes to pass along for this. Uh, like I said, um, the Stadium Series games happening this weekend. There is a doubleheader in the Stadium Series games. Uh, the first game will be will feature New Jersey playing Philadelphia. And the second game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I want, double, I want to double check it really quickly for you guys. The Stadium Series game, Flyers and Devils, 8 o'clock, Saturday night. Sunday, 3 o'clock, Rangers, Islanders. All games being played at MetLife Stadium. It's a doubleheader of hockey games at MetLife Stadium. So that's going to be huge. Huge. The New York market to play a double header in the same building it's huge absolutely huge so there's that so that's around the news and notes around the National Hockey League and again big news today Yarmo Kekalainen the general man former general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets has been fired by the Jackets he is out John Davidson will now take over position for that as you're watching and listening to All Andy Elford today right here on the All Andy Elford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And by the way, I want to give a shout to Nick on our Facebook Live saying that I have a nice haircut. Yes, got it all trimmed up on Monday night at the Great Clips. 
They had a coupon for $9.99. Gotta love it. Love the woman over there at on Talmadge. Talmadge over there by Home Buys, formerly of Anderson's. They do a fantastic job. But Dave Talion for GM, he also says, of the Jackets. We'll see how it's going to shake out. We'll see how it shakes out. The first step of the puzzle, first piece of the puzzle falls, and that was Yarmo going. It was huge, huge. So now let's hit the pile. Let's talk a little walleye hockey, and we'll start with what happened last weekend. Of course, the fish at home for a home and home against the Kalamazoo Wings. The jet, the walleye getting a huge win last Saturday night over the K Wings by the score of four to three. You look at this game overall at the Huntington Center on Bob Virgil's bobblehead night, which was absolutely amazing to see. These people lined up since 6 a.m. in the morning to get this bobblehead, and they got it. A lot of them are selling, reselling them on Facebook Live, on Facebook Marketplace, which is just ridiculous in my opinion. But it was the K-Wings jumping out to the early lead as Colin Adams on the power play at the 2.02 mark of the period from Aiden Mc. McDonald and Jordan Steffert makes it a one nothing Kalamazoo lead, and then Jay Curran gets from Bradford and Skeffron making it a two nothing K Wings lead before Sam Craig gets his twenty third of the season from Colin Keenan and Brandon Cruz. It's a two one K Wings lead, but then not even a minute later, Eric Bradford gets his sixteenth of the season from Passaw and Kiefer, and it's three one. K-Wings after 20 minutes of play. You get into the second, and of course, Brandon Hawkins continues his point streak, getting his 25th of the season at the 446 mark of the period, unassisted, makes it a 4-2, excuse me, a 3-2 K-Wings lead. You get to the third, and it was all walleye after that. Trenton Bliss ties the game at the 9-11 mark of the period with his 15th of the season from McKeelan and Bernardo, and it's a 3-3 game, and then Colin Keenan with less than a minute to less than two minutes to play in the game gets his 18th of the season from Craig's and Prafervis, and that was the final. The Fish getting a huge win at the Bank Tank by the score of four to three. Pretty slow, not a bad penalty game if you look at it. Toledo 0 for 4 on the power play. Kalamazoo 1 for 2. Toledo outshot Kalamazoo in the game 34 to 22 in the game. And if you look at it, it was uh, Jonathan Lemieux stopping 30 of 34. His save percentage of 0.898. For the walleye, it was John Letheman stopping 19 of 22. Save percentage of a 0.929 in the game. 8,203 in attendance. Two hours and eighteen minutes took to play the game. Austin LaRourke was the referee. It was a two man it was a one man referee system on last Friday night on the 9th of February. You looked around the rest of the East Coast League on Friday. Greenville fell to North uh Newfoundland six to two. The uh, Indianapolis a six four win over Atlanta. Orlando gets a two one win in overtime over Jacksonville. The Three Rivers Lions getting a loss in Norfolk six to three. Maine a five four win over the Wooster Railers. It was Wheeling continuing their winning streak with a two one win over the Reading Royals. Florida a four one win over Adirondack. You had South Carolina thumping the Ghost Pirates seven to four. Iowa a four three win over the Cincinnati Cyclones. Tulsa falls to Allen six to three. 
Kansas City, a 7-1 win over Rapid City. And Idaho, a 4-1 win over the Utah Grizzlies. We get to Saturday, the 10th of February. And the Fish traveled up to Kalamazoo and the Wings Event Center on their Pink Ice Night. It was very hard to watch that game. If you were watching that game on Flow TV or on any of the platforms, that ice was so bright. It was so bright. But the Fish headed in to K-Wings Event Center. And it was nothing, nothing after 20 minutes of play. But then Josh Perot gets his 16th of the season from David Kiefer, making it a one nothing Kalamazoo lead after 40 minutes of play. Then Trenton Bliss getting his 16th of the season from Brandon Cruz at the 5.54 mark of the third period, making it a tie game. But then Kalamazoo capitalizes it right back with Derek Dasick getting his 10th of the season from Adams and Morgan, making it a 2-1 Kalamazoo lead. But the Fish did not want to go down fighting. They went down fighting with this game as Orland Santazo getting his 16th of the season from Trenton Bliss and Hawkins at the 18-23 mark of the period, giving the Fish and tying the game in the third period. And we went to overtime and a bad break for the Fish as it was a 2-on-1 break for the Fish in the overtime period. It was goaltender Jan Bednar, who was in the net, and the defenseman slid into Bednar, and Josh Perot just tucked it in, did the rap, Sega Genesis wraparound, and tucked it into the back of the net in overtime to win it with two minutes into over with two minutes left to play in overtime. Perot gets his seventeenth of the season from Norquist and Bradford, and the K Wings beat the Fish three to two in overtime at K Wings Event Center. The Fish outshot. Kalamazoo in the game 29 to 21. They were both 0 for 1 on the power play. Only two minutes in penalties were issued out in this game. 5,255 in attendance. Uh, Logan Grove was the referee in the game on Saturday at K Wings Event Center. You look at the rest of the East Coast games on Friday, on Saturday, February 10th. Newfoundland a 5 1 winner over Greenville. The uh, Lions of uh, three Rivers fall to Newfoundland 4-3. Savannah, a 2-1 win over South Carolina in overtime. Florida, a 3-1 win over Adirondack in a shootout. It was uh, Indianapolis, a 4-3 win over Atlanta. Uh, Jacksonville, a 4-1 win over Orlando. Cincinnati gets a 2-1 win over Iowa. The Worcester Railers getting a 3-2 win over the Maine Mariners. Wheeling continues their winning streak, and they beat the Reading Royals 3-0. Uh, Fort Wayne traveled to Wichita to take on the Thunder and the Wichita Thunder, a 4-3-2 win over the Fort Wayne Comets. Tulsa, a 6-1 win over Allen. Rapid City falls to Kansas City, 4-2. And in overtime, it was the Utah Grizzlies, a 6-5 win over the Idaho Steelheads. Sunday, there was no games that took place because it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, one game took place on Monday. Wooster traveled to Orlando to take on the Railers. The take on the Solar Bears. The Solar Bears a 3-2 win over the Railers. On Tuesday, on this past Tuesday, it was Atlanta a 5-4 win over the South Carolina Stingrays. Last night in the East Coast Hockey League on the 14th, it was Idaho a 6-3 win over Rapid City. Orlando a 4-3 win over Florida. Uh, Idaho fall, excuse me, not Idaho. Iowa falls to Indianapolis 3-1. Allen a 3-1 win over the Wichita Thunder. Tonight on the docket, Wooster will take on Orlando, 7 o'clock puck drop in the Kia Center in Orlando, Florida tonight. 
And then tomorrow, it will be a big slate of games. And I want to get something really quickly for you guys. So just give me one second here on our Facebook Live. Wanted to make mention of it. I forgot about it. It's in my cabinet now. I just got done finished reading it. So I just categorized it really quickly. Uh, games around the East Coast League. Reading is in Adirondack, 7 o'clock drop. Kalamazoo will host Fort Wayne, 7 o'clock puck drop for that game. Florida is in Jacksonville, the Battle of the Icemen. South Carolina will battle Greenville. Norfolk will travel to Maine to take on the Mariners. Savannah is in Atlanta to battle the Gladiators. It will be in Indianapolis taking on Iowa. Uh, Tulsa is home to play Allen. Kansas City is in Wichita. Idaho is in Rapid City. And the big one, Wheeling, travels out to Utah to battle the Grizzlies. 7-10 Mountain Time for that game. 7-35 Eastern, our fish travel to Cincinnati to take on the Cyclones. This tomorrow night, 7:30 puck, 7.35 puck drop at Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Then on Saturday, the fish will then continue the road trip. A lot of a lot of you that watch the podcast will head to Kalamazoo. I know there's a big contingent of walleye. The walleye boosters are going to this game. Seven o'clock drop as the fish travel to Kalamazoo to take on the K Wings. Uh, the Lions of uh, Three Rivers will take on Adirondack. Florida is in South Carolina. Norfolk is in Maine. Tulsa will take on Allen. Newfoundland is in Redding. Jacksonville is in Savannah. Atlanta is in Greenville. Iowa is hosting Indianapolis. Cincinnati is in Fort Wayne to battle the Comets. Wheeling continues the road trip as they're in Utah on Saturday, 7-10. Puck drop for that one. Sunday, we'll see Greenville in Atlanta. Savannah is in Jacksonville. Norfolk in Maine. Florida and South Carolina. Cincinnati will continue the road trip. They will go, they'll continue and play in Fort Wayne on Sunday. And then Tulsa will battle Wichita in the fame. Now I get the hockey news each week. Each week or each month. Good issue this month. The rookie issue, which is one of my favorite issues. They use the bad MGM app, by the way. We use DraftKings, by the way, right here. Remember, if you're using DraftKings, use responsibly. Bet responsibly. But uh there was an article. I wanted to make mention of this really quickly. Article on the jackets that was good about the the Russian connection between Provorov, Marchenko, and and Marchenko, Chinikov, and Provorov, which is a great article. Definitely check it out. If you get the hockey news, get it, get a copy of it. But we're talking ECHL really quickly. And by the way, they talk about the who is a buyer who's a seller when it comes to that. I get like I said, I get this each week. And you know, I was surprised of how cool, you know, the you know, they give everything out. The PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League that's happening. But if you are a subscriber to this, you want to get this. Get ready for this, folks. Yes. Brandon Hawkins has a write-up in the in the hockey news. It's a big story about the walleye, about him being the mayor of Toledo when it comes to hockey. Great article. It's an absolutely great write- article. The writer is Jacob Stoller. 
And I'll read you a few segments of this really quickly. Right here. Brandon Hawkins' love of keeping goalies guessing is why he occasionally pulls the trick shot and to a great effect. Every once in a while, Hawkins says, I like to throw a change-up shot. In instance, the Toledo Wally right-winger corrals the puck and makes it look like he is about to unload a heavy shot. Instead of following through, Hawkins' right-handed shoot will let up midway in the release, freezing the goaltender by fluttering the puck into the top right corner, all in a desperate motion. Hawkins likens it to how a baseball pitcher tries to slip a moon ball pitch by the batter. It's a great article. Pick it up. It's in this this month's edition of the Hockey News. It's the it, it's the issue right there. So go pick it up. Well, like I said, the fish will be in Cincinnati tomorrow night. Then in Kalamazoo on Saturday. Some early games next Monday, which is surprising. Wooster is in Orlando for a day game. Newfoundland is in Redding for a day game. And then Wheeling will play Utah in a day game on the 19th of February. The Fish, after this game on Saturday in Kalamazoo, will return back to the Bank Tank next weekend for a huge series. Two games against the Maine Mariners on Friday and Saturday. A huge series. It's good to see Maine coming into town. But the game I want you to watch out for will be Sunday. Sunday, 5-15 puck drop as the Fish will take on the Fort Wayne Comets. Fort Wayne's got this new kid that's on this team. He's an older Grizzly veteran that loves to drop the gloves. Adding this piece to this rivalry, it's a great piece. Get your tickets for Sunday's game. It's Kids Takeover Day, of course. But you need to be at this game. You need to be at this game on Sunday for Fort Wayne Toledo. 515 puck drop. Get your tickets 419 725 Wall or ToledoWallet.com. Or my favorite thing is to head down to the Huntington Center box office, buy your tickets direct. You don't pay the service fees. Plain and simple. And go get your copy of the hockey news with Brandon Hawkins in the rookie edition. You want the rookie issue. Of the hockey news. Get your copies. Go get your copies. With that all in mind. Let's take a look at the standings. Going into this week's play. For the Fish. The Fish still in the top spot. In the Central Division at 27-9. With 63 points. Wheeling is in second at 28-16. With 58 points. Indianapolis is 26-14-4-0 with 56 points. Fort Wayne 24-21-3 with 52 points. Kalamazoo 23-19-3-0 with 49 points. Cincinnati 21-21-4-0 with 46 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders are 19-21-5-2 with 45 points. In the Mountain Division seats the Kansas City Mavericks at the top spot at 35-8-2-1 with 73 points. Idaho 31-13-2-1 with 65 points. Tulsa 22-19-4-1-49. Nine points. The Allen Americans 21 24 2 and 1 with 45 points. Utah 21 24 1 and 0 with 43 points. Rapid City 19 26 2 and 0 with 40 points. And the Wichita Thunder are 14 25 7 and 0 with 35 points. In the Eastern Conference, sees the Adirondack Thunder in the top spot in the North Division at 30 11. 4 and 2 with 66 points. Norfolk 25 18 3 and 1 with 54 points. 
Newfoundland 22-19-7 and 1 with 52 points. Worcester 21-19-4 and 2 with 48 points. The Maine Mariners are 19-25 and 0 with 43 points. The Three Rivers Lions are 19-23-3 three, two with 43 points. And the Reading Royals are 17-21-5 and 2 with 41 points. South Division seats the Greenville Swamp Rabbits at 32-14-2 and 0 with 66 points. Jacksonville Icemen are 28-15-4 and 0 with 60 points. The South Carolina Stingrays are 28-16-2 and 1 with 59 points. The Florida Everblades are 23-14-6 and 2 with 54 points. Orlando is the team on the outside looking in at 23-16-6 and 2 with 54 points. Savannah, 17 wins, 25 losses, 4 overtime losses, and 1 shootout loss gets them to 39 points. Atlanta, 17-28-2-1 with 37 points. If you're looking at the news and notes around the East Coast Hockey League, uh, leagues and uh, transactions, uh, Cincinnati has added... Uh, ben Hotchuk for forward and have del- put Justin Vive on injured reserve. Um, Kalamazoo has sus- suspended Cody Milan, and they've removed him from the roster. That's a surprise right there. Uh, Toledo has added Thomas Farrell on defense and has put Jake Willens on reserve. So that is a note note to pass along there for the fish going into this weekend series. Cincinnati Friday night. Kalamazoo Saturday, and before they return back home next weekend, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, two games, the 23rd and 24th against the Maine Mariners, and Fort Wayne on the 25th, 5-15. Get your tickets for that game. Huge game. You got to go to this game. I'm circling this game. It's a must-watch, must-go-to game next Sunday night. I might be there. I might not be there. You will see. As you're watching and listening to All Indie Offer tonight right here, on the All Andy Alford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen and watch, wherever and whenever you listen and watch, thank you for tuning into the show. And now, let's dive into it. Let's talk about what we witnessed Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Super Bowl Sunday. So let's dive into what we witnessed this past Sunday at Allegiant Stadium as it was the NFC champion. San Francisco 49ers, led by Kyle, coach Kyle Shanahan, quarterback Brock Purdy, receiver Debo Samuel, running back Christian McCaffrey, the San Francisco 49ers playing coach by Andy Reid, quarterback Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, tight end Travis Kelsey, running back Pacheco, and the Kansas City Chiefs. This game was a snooze fest the first half. Oh, snooze fest. No score after 15 minutes of play. Now, I thought, now before the game, I thought Reba did a fantastic job with the national anthem. She did a fantastic job. Post Malone did a great job with America the Beautiful, did a fantastic job with that part. Uh, I thought the commercials were great. Uh, I didn't see the the uh, the uh, the African American national anthem, unfortunately. Um, the commercials were good. Pre-game was good. The game was decent. First, the decent. 
both teams were trying to feel each other out. It was like a boxing match. They were trying to feel each other out. But Jake Moody jumping out and putting points on the board early in the in the first, in the end toward the end of the first half, making it a three nothing game, and then Christian McCaffrey taking the run and getting the getting the run, making it a ten nothing game, and then right before halftime, Harrison Bucker kicking that twenty eight yard field goal, ten three at halftime. I thought it was a decent first half. You know, it was a snoo- it was much of a snooze fest for the first half. The halftime show was really good. I thought Usher did a fantastic job with the halftime show. Uh, the commercials were good. Um, I didn't like the 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 Tamu commercials that were playing over and over again. Uh, then he got into the second half, and Kansas City really woke up. And I thought at one, you know, at halftime, I thought Kansas City, you know, looked flat. I said, "Oh my God, this is it right here. Kansas City's not gonna not gonna do their do their thing. You know, they're not gonna win this football game." Bucker kicks the field goal as they drove it down the field. And, you know, the interception that Mahomes threw, you know, but no points getting off of it was just was terrible of it. But Bucker kicking the field goal, making it 10-6. And then Man- Marquez Valenscaling getting that pass from Mahomes, getting it into the end zone and giving Kansas City the lead to make it 13-10. I thought right there Kansas City had it. They were going – they stepped on the gas. and can- And San Francisco had them. On their neck, and they let him breathe, and they took the lead because of it. And they were playing from behind. But John Jennings getting the 10-yard pass from Brock Purdy, making it a 16-13 lead, and then Jake Moody going for the extra point, and it's blocked. Imagine if if he kicks that field goal, it goes through. It's 17-13. You have to have Mahomes go down the field, kick the field goal to, to score a touchdown to win the football game. But Harrison Bucker then takes it down the field with the 5:46 mark of the period, kicks a quick field goal, good on the can on the San Francisco defense, makes it a 16-16 game. Jake Moody then take they take the long drive down the field, take it to the two minute warning, and then San Francisco gets stopped in the third down play. Moody has to kick the field goal. It's 19-16, and I'll say to myself, okay, this defense needs to show up. Needs to step up to the plate. They let him walk down the field. They let him walk down the field, and Bucker kicks the field goal with three seconds to go in the game, tying the game at 19. And for the second time in the history of the National Football League, in 58 years of the Super Bowl, we will have, we had a second overtime. Now, the new overtime rules for me was, was a question I had, it was a real big question I had. Because the fact that, you know, we're so used to you get one percent, the first person to score a touchdown, that's the end of the game. If they score a touchdown, it's the end of the game. If they kick a field goal, the, the other team gets a possession. Now, in the in the playoffs, each team gets a possession no matter what the situation is. So if if San Francisco scores a touchdown, Kansas City gets the football back and they can have to score a touchdown. Kansas City, you know, San Francisco wins the toss. They get the ball, and I understand the mood, the call by Kyle Shanahan on that part. Shanahan's defense was tired; they were gassed. They needed a break, and you know, set the tone, set the tone in the game, set the tone in the game. And they get down the field, they, and it was a long drive, a long drive for them, almost half the quarter. 
Drive it down the field. They get down to a third and four. They can't capitalize on it. And Moody has to kick the 27-yard field goal. It's 22 to 19. Now, I'm saying to myself at this time, okay, it's fourth quarter rules. It has to be fourth quarter rules because there's no challenges from the coaches. Three timeouts from each team. Basically, they said also at the beginning of the period, it's a brand new game. So we're going back to, so I assume still it was fourth quarter rules. Well, I was wrong. It's first quarter rules. Because Kansas City drove it down the field. And at the two-minute mark of the period, it was a first down. I said, all right, two-minute warning. It should be, you know, gives gives San Francisco a chance to breathe. There was no two-minute warning. They kept playing. I'm like, where's the two-minute warning? Where's the two-minute warning? And sure enough, McCole Hartman gets the sharp pass and walks into the end zone. And for the second straight year, the Kansas City Chiefs will lift Vince Lombardi's trophy, beating San Francisco 25-22, to 47 points. I had the over at 47.5. I had Kansas City plus 2.5. Parlayed it both. Blew it. Absolutely blew it. Mahomes, 34 for 46, 333 yards, two TDs, one interception. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, 23 for 38 for 255 yards, one TD. Mahomes was the leading rusher. He had nine carries for 66 yards. And I thought they were going to stop him on that fourth and two play in overtime. If they would have stopped him, San Francisco would have been lifting Lombardi's trophy. Christian McCaffrey, 22 carries for 80 yards. He also was the leading receiver at eight catches, 80 yards, one TD. Travis Kelsey, nine catches, 93 yards. He only had one catch in the first half. First half. One catch. One catch. So... Like I said, San Francisco had 382 total yards of offense to Kansas City's 455. Both teams had two turnovers in the game. The possession arrow went to San Francisco at 38 minutes and 31 seconds to Kansas City's 36-26 in the game. Kansas City had 24 first downs to San Francisco's 23. Uh, Like I mentioned before, passing the the total 455 yards – 325 through the air for Kansas City, 130 on the ground. For San Francisco, it's 382, 272 through the air, 110 on the ground. Six penalties, 40 yards for San Francisco. Six penalties, 55 yards for Kansas City in the game. And that's how the end of this regular season ends and how the season ends in the National Football League. With Kansas City winning 25-22 over San Francisco. Now, it was the most watched Super Bowl in the hist- in, in a long time. 198 million people watched the Super Bowl. And I have a beef to pick. And this is what Andy Rance is going to be about tonight. I will say this. Well, there's a lot of people that are conspiracy theorists out there. I'm not one of them. I don't. I still believe that you know the government killed JFK, but I will say this: the media 
and especially CBS, showed that bimbo in the booth for 52 seconds. 52 seconds. Which is, you think, oh my goodness, you know, that's not as much. In the AFC Championship game in Baltimore, they only showed it for 38 seconds. Great. Great. 52 seconds. But they showed her 12 times. 12 times. 12 times. It's too much. And he only had, like I said, one catch in the first half. One catch in the first half. You got to be kidding me. And you know, I'm going to say it, and I was going to hold off on this, but I had respect for Ice Spice. Uh, I have respect for her. She was in the booth with, with Taylor, with the bimbo, in the booth, and to wear, you know, as a Catholic, to wear the cross upside down is synthetic. She wore her the cross upside down, and that to me is a slap in the face to every Christian and every Catholic that is that is a fan of the NFL to have them show her show her that booth 52 seconds 12 times and show that over and over again it's outrageous it's absolutely outrageous it kind of proves the point what i've said in the past to people to people that uh you know that i'm close to i believe that you know and i'm going to say it i will be the one to say it it's like I said in this in the podcast, like I've said in the past, I've been listening to you, watching the same games you've been watching, but I have the nerve to say what's on my mind. I believe that we are witnessing and I'm not I'm not gonna complain about the relationship. I'm not complaining about the relationship. I like Travis Kelsey. If they want to go and hang out, that's fine. But just don't flaunt it in my face. Just don't flaunt it in my face. That's what I want to say. Don't flaunt it in my face. Just don't smear it. It's a football game. I'm watching a football game. I'm not watching The Bachelor. I'm not watching Single Life. I'm not watching The Relationship Channel. I am watching the Super Bowl, the National Football League's final football game. I do not need to see this woman in the booth 12 times for 52 seconds. I don't need to see that. Show her when he scores a touchdown. Show her when she's like, I don't know, when she's doing when they win the foot when they win the football game. Show her that. But like I said, Ice Spice, I lost respect for her when she wore that cross upside down on her neck. That's syntactic. That's terrible. And as a Catholic, I was very, very offended by it. Very, very offended by it. As a man who loves God, believes in God, is baptized, confirmed, and catechismed in Catholic faith, who has taken the 40 days of Lent, who was starting the 40 days of Lent yesterday, after seeing what she did and what she was wearing, it's an absolutely atrocious. She should be ashamed of herself. 
ashamed of herself because of it. It's synthetic. And again, she's like a siren. Taylor Swift is like a siren. If you've ever read The Odyssey by Homer, you know that sirens would call their prey and sing the songs of their love and cherish their honesty. And then they would the, the people who drive the boat, they drive it into the sharp rocks and die. That's what that booth was on Sunday. And it made evident with ice spice wearing the cross of Jesus Christ upside down. That's syntactic. That's a slap in the Christian faith. And for CBS to show it 12 times for 52 seconds is terrible. Terrible. The two sir- the three sirens that were in that booth and I'm talking Brittany Mahomes, I'm talking Taylor Swift, and I'm talking Ice Spice. Hell, if you want to throw Jackson Mahomes because he's a siren, go ahead. But as a Catholic and a Christian, I thought Ice Spice doing that was atrocious. She should be ashamed of herself. And Taylor should be ashamed of herself. She calls herself a Christian and a, and a lover of God and everything like that, but yet she goes in there and touches herself like that and you know and chugs beer and does all that give me a break give me a break it's about as bad as katie perry you know you know was a christian loving girl and everything like that and then she wrote the song i kissed a girl and i liked it so there Ice Spice, I've lost respect for. And I lost respect for Taylor Swift again because she's friends with Ice Spice. And again, Ice Spice wearing the cross upside down is a slap in the face to every Christian and every Catholic and every person that believes in God and believes in what Jesus Christ is. And I don't like talking religion on this show. I will not talk much about religion. But that really bothered me. It really, really bothered me. Really bothered me. As we celebrate the 40 days of Lent, of the day of the of, of the Easter holiday when Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross, ro- went to hell, rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. To have her on national television wear that cross upside down really gets me. And it... it, it and the Super Bowl, the commercials were good. I liked every commercial, except for the Timu commercial. Or the Tamu, is what it's called, Tamu. But yeah, it's just too much. They show Taylor Swift too much. And when they show Taylor Swift too much, I saw that Ice Spice stuff, and it just really got in my crawl. It really did. So there's that. It's not her, not just Taylor. It's, it's, it, 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 I'm blaming Ice Spice. But CBS should be ashamed of themselves for showing her that many times, showing that heathen up in the booth. Showing that. Ridiculous. So 
We're done with the NFL. Thank God. We now wait to the spotting combine and then the NFL draft. And by the way, the NFL draft in Detroit this year. Guess who's going to be there? Yours truly. We're going to be in the NFL draft. We'll have more details to come as we get closer and closer to the draft time, which will be in April and May. So we're looking forward to going to Detroit for the NFL draft. As you are watching and listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the All Andy Elford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Now we're going to dive into some other sports. The Genesis Open and the start of Tiger Woods' season begins today. And we'll take a look at the leaderboard and how he's doing right after this. So let's dive into some other sports really quickly right here as we are halfway through. We're just now underway for the Genesis Invitational as Jordan Spieth leading right now at 5 under par. Tied with Patrick Cantley at 5 under par. Will Zalatoris is 4 under par. Uh, Sevis in 3 under par as well. McCarthy at 3 under par as well too. But the big story out of this is that Tiger Woods is back on the course. He is playing this tournament, which is his tournament. By the way, Victor Hovland, 3 under par as well. Um, Gary Woodland, two under par. Um, Corey Connors, one under par. Uh, Tiger Woods at one under par, tie for 17th. Looking at Tiger's round today so far. Tiger birdied at one, bogeyed at two, bogeyed at three, birdied at four, parred at five, birdie at six, pars at six, seven. He's playing his ninth hole right now. He's having a back the back score right now playing the front nine so he's got a 30 on the front nines right now going into the ninth hole at at uh, Riviera so that's happening right now on ESPN plus and then it'll be over on golf channel f- for the rest of the weekend so the Genesis Open taking place like I said uh the LPGA will take place the 22nd 23rd 24th and 25th in Thailand so the LPGA will be back into the swing of things for that. Also, got to make mention of this really quickly. Next weekend at Tam O'Shanner, it will be the Toledo Area Golf Show that will take place Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday starting from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Sun- Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 to 8 p.m. And Sunday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. A lot of events that are going to take place. Go to ToledoGolfShow.com for Ticket information. Tickets at the door are $8. You can buy in advance for $7. You can get discount tickets to a different area of locations, but they're going to have golf simulator, putting challenges. There will be a pickle eating contest. But they're, one of my favorite things is in the back of the of the uh, Tam O'Shanner is this big golf sh- this golf uh, shop. They do a lot of good discounts. A lot of if you're needing apparel, if you're needing clubs, if you're needing anything, I got my three of uh, my hybrid. Uh, last year for fifteen dollars, I couldn't believe I got the great de- greatest deal ever on a on a nice on a nice hybrid, uh, hybrid wood, uh, for fifteen bucks. It was really good, and I've been using it in my bag ever since. It's it's a great deal, highly recommended, highly 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 recommended. Uh, Tamil Shanner next weekend at. The next weekend at Tamil Shanner in Sylvania, Ohio, where the Dana Open will take place in July as well. So all ties into that. So all ties into that. Uh, going into some hardcore to talk a little bit really quickly, and we're going to dive into, as we now are finishing up the National Football League, we'll dive now into the next big sporting event, which will be the tournament, the NCAA tournament. But we're going to dive into some women's basketball first and foremost. And 
Uh, the next game, of course, it will be uh, coming off of the Sunbelt Challenge Saturday. Big slate of games, 6 p.m. at the Stroh Center. It will be the University of Toledo Rocket women's team led by Trisha Kolb will take on the Bowling Green State University Falcons, 6 o'clock tip on ESPN+. Plus. Toledo 18-4, Bowling Green 12-10. and 10. That will be a tip-off for that one. Other games around uh, the Mid-American Conference in women's basketball. Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan at 1 o'clock. Western and Miami of Ohio. Kent State and Central Michigan. Ball State and Ohio. Buffalo and Akron in those games on Saturday. You dive into the men's side of things in the Mid-American Conference play really quickly. We'll see a game tomorrow night at Savage Arena. A 9 p.m. tip-off. A 9 p.m. tip-off at Savage Arena, Ohio. The Bobcats at 13-11 will take on the University of Toledo Rockets on ESPNU. 9 o'clock tip for that one. Toledo 15-9. Bowling Green will travel on the road to Eastern Michigan Saturday. 3.30 tip-off. Bowling Green 16-8. Eastern Michigan 9-15 in the game's. And then Tuesday, Toledo will host Akron. That's a huge matchup. Akron, top team in the Mid-American Conference right now with an overall record of 10-1. Toledo, 9-2. That is a huge game. Bowling Green sits there in fourth at 7-4 in conference play. Bowling Green will travel to Central Michigan Tuesday for a 7 o'clock tip for that game. And then we revert to Friday at the Stroh Center, 7 o'clock tip. The University of Toledo Rockets come to the Stroh Center to take on the Bowling Green State University Falcons men's basketball team. Huge game in that room on next Friday. We will preview that game and we'll recap the women's game on next week's edition of All Andy Alfred. So there's that for you. Uh, also, got to make mention of this last night, AEW Dynamite. Took place last night. It was a fantastic show. I thought it was a really, really good show. Uh, the final match was uh, Orange Cassidy versus uh, I forget uh, Max, somebody from the uh, f- from the Undisputed Kingdom in a Texas Death Match. Very, very good match. Uh, the match before that was Will and I- Nightingale versus Sky Blue. Uh, I I don't like the fact that they're they're jobbing Sky Blue now uh, with this Julia Hart situation. I don't like that. Um, I thought the match between Claudia with uh, John Mox, John Moxley and FTR's uh, Cash Wheeler was really good to open up the show. Um, the segment between uh, Samoa Joe, Swerve Strickland, and uh, Hangman Adam Page was really, really good as well. The Timeless Tony Storm bit was pretty good. Um, so overall, I think it was a really good show. Friday is a big night of wrestling. Friday at 7 on TNT is Rampage, which is which will have uh, a big slew of matches. And at 8 o'clock is Friday Night SmackDown. Now, we're expected to have Roman Reigns and The Rock on. We also have qualifying matches for the Elimination Chamber as well for both the men and the women's side. So that's going to be interesting. And then, of course, 10 o'clock Friday night, Blue Bloods returns. Tom Selleck. Love it. Love that show. Uh, so looking forward to Friday night. Uh, so there's that for you guys. Uh, Got to make mention of this as well too. 
we are going to continue podcast. Uh, I finally got my rehearsal schedule for the Toledo Reps production of Amadeus. Uh, we will be off. I'll be off on Thursdays, so the podcast will continue on Thursdays. Looking forward to that. And get your tickets to see Amadeus. It's at ToledoRep.org. Uh, we will be doing the shows in April, towards the end of April. It'll be two weekends. So get your tickets. Come see me perform as the cook and the major domo in Amadeus. A great cast. Garrett Monismith, fantastic actor. He'll be playing Mozart. Uh, my friend Liz is going to be playing uh, Scarati's uh, wife. Fantastic as well. She's a fantastic singer and a fantastic person. Uh, so there's that. Garrett, myself, members of the Christmas Carol, will be a part of Amadeus. So there is that. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I uh, gave you my Andy rants during the Super Bowl recap. Uh, again, the news of the day, the big news of the day, Yarmo Kekalainen, the former now the former general manager of the Blue Jackets was released today. Uh, John Davison takes over the role as the as the new GM as of right now until they find a new GM. So we will see how that all shakes out. Uh, the big California road trip, which will start on Saturday, 10.30 puck drop. I want to send a special happy birthday to my friend Amber. Uh, happy birthday to you, Amber. Hope you have a great day. We'll see you later for the party tonight. Also, got to give a shout-out to my beautiful wife. I hope you enjoyed your Valentine's Day. I love you, babe. Um, and uh, Saturday, sounds like I'll be headed to Frankenmuth uh, for uh, a quick trip. So looking forward to that. We were going to go today, but they're expecting three to five inches of snow. So we said no. We'll go Saturday. So that's going to wrap it up for all and all for tonight. And again, next week we'll be back on the air on Thursday on the 22nd to do another podcast to recap the BG women's BG Toledo women's basketball game, recap the California road trip for the for the Blue Jackets, as well as the walleye, and dive more into the NCAA basketball and WrestleMania is right around the corner. So and recap the Genesis Invitational as well. So that's all the time I have for you tonight on All Andy Alfred. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams who root for at home, and to my teams, go Jackets! Even though we fired Yarmo, one piece of the puzzle down, get the job done on the California trip. Go Walleye! Good luck on the road trip this week. Go Falcons! And congratulations to Kansas City. Our hearts and prayers are with the citizens of Kansas City after what happened in the parade. And more birdies and less bogeys, because victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I will talk to you next week for another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network on the All Andy Alfred Network, whether it been on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen to our show, wherever and whenever you listen to our podcast, thank you for tuning into the show. And always, you can be a part of our show by following us on X at All Andy Elford or on Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford as we do our podcast live on Facebook Live. This show has been a presentation of the Spotify Podcast Network.